Who are some early breakout candidates for the Baltimore Ravens for the 2022 season? We talk about that and more next year on Locked On Ravens. You are Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we return here with another episode of Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Ostreicher of Ravens Wire. Of course, we're here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Ravens your first listen of the day. We're free and available on all platforms. And we're back here, another episode of the show here on Tuesday. We'll continue talking about this Ravens team five days a week. Round three of voluntary OTAs this week, followed by mandatory mini camp in the next week but now we're going to continue with our Ravens conversations and we're going to talk about some early breakout candidates so this will be a conversation we'll definitely have later on as training camp starts up and the preseason goes on before the regular season but now I just want to take a, a closer look at the roster at this point seeing who are guys who could potentially break out now there will be some like I guess rules for it like this isn't going to apply to rookies this is a thing that is only going to apply to also players who have been on the Ravens roster for at least one season. So like players like uh, Marcus Williams, although he's not really a breakout candidate anyway, he wouldn't be eligible because he's just, he just joined the Ravens. So in the second segment, we'll talk about offensive breakout candidates for the Ravens. In the final segment, we'll do defensive breakout candidates. But in the first segment, we're going to have a little bit of fun here. I'm going to take a look at the Ravens 2022 draft from a bit of a different lens. Well, I guess two lenses technically and do some somewhat of a, before pick after pick thing so what i mean by that is the pick before and the pick after the ravens selected i'm going to run through all of those look at each player that was picked before and picked after the ravens pick so number 14 for kyle hamilton we'll look at who was picked 13 who was picked 15 and so then we'll kind of compare what happened before what happened after it's not like a what could have been situation i'm very pleased with what the ravens did but it's kind of cool to go and, and look and interesting to look at these different scenarios that could have happened. So we'll do that here in the first part of the show. Before we dive into that content, though, if you're here with us on YouTube in video form, thank you so much for tuning in and watching me and seeing my face and my background and everything involved with video. Be sure to subscribe to this channel. Like this video, too. We've built such a huge community here on Lockdown Ravens. It's only growing, and it's really exciting. Our next goal here is 2,000 subscribers. We're continuing to plow towards that goal so if you're already subscribed thank you so much for subscribing i appreciate you and if you're wondering why you should subscribe kind of on the fence well we put out daily ravens content five days a week so if you want ravens news analysis updates opinions and more five days per week monday through friday hit that subscribe button hit that like video button i really do appreciate it but if you're here with us in audio form i appreciate you too again same show both audio and video form so if you're here with us on apple podcast google podcast spotify the whole nine yards were available anywhere you get your podcast. So be sure to follow us anywhere you get your podcast and turn notifications on. And be sure to follow me on Twitter at KOSTRIKER34 and the Locked on Ravens account at Locked on Ravens. So let's dive into this content here now, starting off with the picks before and after the Ravens selected at every spot during the 2022 draft. And this is what I'm excited to do. And we'll start off here. I'll pull up Wikipedia. And I know maybe in school you we're told, oh, don't use Wikipedia because they can copy it. Well, you know, it's, it's okay. We'll, we'll use it now and it's fine. But the Ravens here, 14, 
Kyle Hamilton was the selection. We'll first go with before picks. So number 13 was Philadelphia trading ahead of Baltimore to take Jordan Davis, defensive tackle out of Georgia. Then at pick 25 was Tyler Lunderbaum. Pick 24 was Tyler Smith, offensive tackle from Tulsa. Then you have David Ajabo, number 45. The pick before that at number 44 was John Mitchie the third out of Alabama. Travis Jones with the pick at 76. You have Christian Harris, the linebacker from Alabama at 75, going to Houston. Then Jennifer Lilly, the offensive tackle from Minnesota, was the selection at 109. You have Kobe Bryant, the corner from Cincinnati, going to Seattle. Then Jalen Moore Davis with the pick at 119. Pick 118 was the Caleb Evans, the corner from Missouri. Then 128, Charlie Kohler, the tight end from Iowa State. The pick before that, 127, was Pierre Strong Jr., running back from South Dakota State. Then 130 was Jordan Stout, the punter from Penn State. Dallas took Jake Ferguson, the tight end from Wisconsin, at 129. Then you have Isaiah Likely, the tight end from Coastal Carolina, 139. 138 was Calvin Austin, the wide receiver from Memphis, going to Pittsburgh at 138. Marion Williams, the corner from Houston, was at 141. 140 was Zach Tom, the offensive lineman out of Wake Forest. And then you have Tyler Beatty, the running back from Missouri at 196. The pick before is actually forfeited by New Orleans, so we go to actual 195. That was Jamari Salier, the offensive lineman from Georgia. There were a lot of good players taken before the Ravens selected, and I know a lot of the draft, there was all this conversation about, well, the Ravens are getting traded ahead of every single time. Like, they got traded ahead of. For Jordan Davis, they got traded ahead of for a couple other guys too. The Alabama players teams were trading ahead of the Ravens to, to get those guys. And it was kind of like a, a storyline where it was for the first couple picks, the Ravens were getting traded ahead of almost every single time. But there were very talented players taken ahead of the Ravens. One pick before Jordan Davis, I know, was a very popular mock draft pick for a lot of people going to the Ravens. I thought when the again the Eagles traded up, I thought they were going Kyle Hamilton. So for me, I love the Hamilton pick. I'll rather have Hamilton over Jordan Davis, but Davis very talented. Tyler Smith, I thought was a bit of a reach. I think Linderbaum was the better selection there for sure. When you're talking about 24 versus 25, John Metchie the third, I liked him a lot actually, but I like the Ajabo pick a lot better personally. I think that he he's a first round talent that fell because of the pro day injury. So I'm very content with the Ajabo pick, even though Mitchie went at 44. Christian Harris, I'm taking Travis Jones every, every time between Christian Harris and Travis Jones. Then you move down the draft to the fourth round. Kobe Bryant, Dano Falele. I think I'm still taking Falele because again, he, he was the second round guy, in my opinion. The Ravens get him at number 110. Fills that offensive tackle need for them. Bryant, you know, a great player, would have filled that cornerback need. They were still looking at that time. Then they take Jonah Moore Davis at 119. Caleb Evans is a solid corner. I like Moore Davis's potential, though, for sure. Kohler versus Pierre Strong. That's kind of a wash for me. Like I'm excited about Kohler, but I think Pierre Strong could be a really good player. Then you have Jake Ferguson. I mean, once the Kohler pick happened at that point, Jordan Stout, that's fine to me. Like I, I get it. Again, with the Sam Cook retirement, it's all the pieces are all kind of falling together. Isaiah Likely versus Calvin Austin. I like Calvin Austin a lot. I like Isaiah Likely a lot. And so, again, that's kind of a wash for me. Maybe take the wide receiver, but still, I like Likely a ton. Zach Tom versus Marion Williams. I wasn't. I wasn't as high on Zach Thomas other, so I'll go Demarion Williams there. And then Tyler Beatty versus Demari Salio. Ooh, that's tough. I mean, I, I had Salio as a third-round guy. The value's there, but I had Beatty as a fourth-round guy. So I think that one maybe tilts in the favor of Salio just a tiny, tiny bit. But there were some concerns that had him fall to the sixth round. So when taking the concerns into account, I think Beatty was – 
I guess the safer pick, but I really, I really like the draft that chargers had altogether. So credit to them for having that. So again, really talented players where you could kind of go, Ooh, like one way or the other, the Ravens could have gotten somebody, but I think they ended up having still that very, very solid overall draft class. But now let's flip the stage a little bit. Let's reset here. And let's talk about the pick after the Ravens selected each one of those. So again, Kyle Hamilton, 14, Kenyon green offensive line from Texas A&M went 15 to Houston. Tyler Linderbaum at 25. Jermaine Johnson went to the Jets at 26 out of Florida State. Ojabo at 45. You had Josh Paschal at number 46 go to Detroit. Travis Jones at 76. Bernard Raymond, the offensive tackle from Central Michigan, going to Indianapolis at 77. Daniel Falili, offensive tackle from Minnesota at 110, obviously. Max Mitchell, offensive tackle from Louisiana, goes at 111 to the Jets. Amor Davis goes at 119 to the Ravens. Then you have Brandon Smith going at 120 to the Panthers, linebacker out of Penn State. Charlie Kohler going at 128. Then, I mean, the pick after Jake Ferguson at 129. It was the pick before Jordan Stout. Then Stout was at 130. And Hassan Haskins, the running back out of Michigan, was at 131. Isaiah Likely was at 139. Zach Tom was at 140. Again, the pick before Demarion Williams. Then Williams was 141. Jacoby Durant, the corner from South Carolina State, at 142. And finally, you have Tyler Beatty at 196. Gregory Jr., cornerback, is at 197 here to Jacksonville. Solid prospects again. You know, I, I hadn't looked at these before I actually recorded this show. So I'm kind of learning in real time here. If you if you didn't know who it is, I'm learning who it is now too. So I think, again, I'd rather have Kyle Hamilton a lot more over Kenyon Green at this point. Linderbaum versus Jermaine Johnson. I like Linderbaum. I think Jermaine Johnson is going to be a stud at this level, assuming there was a there were no reasons why he fell to 26. Again, people thought he was, he could have been Baltimore pick at 14. People thought he could go in the top 10 and he falls to 26. So I probably would have rather had Jermaine Johnson, assuming that both, you know, no, no red flags for either of them. Linderbaum obviously doesn't have any, but looking at Johnson, I don't know what the, what the deal was. If anybody knows, you know, you can put it down in the comments below, but yeah, I'd probably rather have Jermaine Johnson instead of Linderbaum. But again, I'm not, I'm not mad at the Linderbaum selection. Don't, don't get that twisted. David Ajabo, 45, Josh Pascal 46. I mean, this is a, this is a situation where, look, if, if you want the instant production, Pascal is a better pick because he's going to be able to play at least assuming there's no injury. He's going to be able to play week one. Whereas Ajabo, that's still up in the air. So the question mark, but I think Ajabo will be the better player when it's all said and done. So I'm personally taking the long-term approach and saying, yeah, I I would rather have Ajabo in that situation. Travis Jones versus Bernard Raymond. I'm taking Travis. I mean, Travis Jones just being a 76, still still unbelievable to me how they were able to get him there. And then Daniel Falele, Max Mitchell, I'm taking Falele. Amor Davis versus Brandon Smith, I'm taking Amor Davis. Kohler versus Ferguson. I mean... It's kind of a wash. I think either one would have been fine. Kohler's fine for the Ravens there. Stout versus Haskins. I, I loved Hassan Haskins coming out. I mean, maybe I'll lean Haskins because, again, like, oh, taking a punter in the fourth round, like, oh, that's that's a reach. But, again, it all makes sense with the Sam Cook retirement. I think Stout's going to have a great career in Baltimore, but maybe I lean a little towards Haskins there. Likely versus Tom, I take Likely. Williams versus Durant, I take Williams. And then Beatty versus Junior, I take Beatty. So, this is obviously just like one pick before one pick after. So there's still a ton of different guys who were selected a lot before or a lot after. So this is just a small sample size of what that was, but still a very interesting exercise guys. The Ravens just barely missed out on or decided to pick somebody. Then the other guy goes one pick after very interesting exercise. I had a lot of fun doing that. If, if you would have rather had somebody 
First, somebody else put that down in the comments on YouTube below. I'm interested to hear anybody who has any of those opinions for sure. But we'll head into our first break here, though, on Locked On Ravens. When we get back, we'll be diving in to breakout candidates for the offensive side of the ball for the 2022 season, early ones. So be sure to stay tuned. Still a ton to talk about here on Locked On Ravens. First, though, I do want to tell you a bit about Blue Nile. Blue Nile has simple online tools that let you choose the diamond shape, size, and clarity as well as setting styles. So whether you're ready to pop the question or celebrating a milestone moment, you can find jewelry as unique as her with modern convenience of online shopping at BlueNile.com. And Blue Nile's Ben's jewelers will then handcraft her a perfect engagement ring, and each ring is one of a kind, so it's very, very special. If you're looking for fine jewelry but are having trouble choosing, Blue Nile has jewelry experts on hand 24-7. They're available via phone or even chat to help you find a memorable gift at every budget. So make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com and Locked On Sports listeners. Get $50 off of purchases of $500 or more. This podcast exclusive includes engagement. Use code LOCKEDON. That's code LOCKEDON. Plus, every order is insured, shipped free, and arrives in discreet packaging. Don't we'll give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever peace. Go to BlueNile.com today. And I want to tell you a bit about Rock Auto as well. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models. It's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. And so sometimes there'll be intimidating questioning or pointless questioning. And you got to wait because the person behind that counter, they have to order the parts on their computer. You got to choose the brand the warehouse, the warehouse happens to carry because, you know, that's all they have. So now you have to use access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. You can save time and money when using Rock Auto. Their prices are super, super low. And they're a family business too. They've been serving your service for over 20 years. And you can explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto parts needs. So go to rockauto.com right now until parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there how'd you hear about us back then we sent you amazing selection rely below prices all the parts of car wherever you need rockauto.com we're back here our second segment of locked on ravens kevin ostriker your host still here with you and again thank you for making locked on ravens your first listen of the day be sure to fill out our listener survey though you'll have a chance to win one of 10 100 ticket master gift cards to take it and have that chance go to lockdownpodcast.com slash survey thanks for your help it does help out a ton but let's move on let's talk about the ravens breakout candidates here again we'll start off with the offensive side of the ball here in the second part of the show move on to defense in the final part of the show. And again, a couple of rules. This does not apply to rookies. This does not apply to guys who were just added to the Ravens roster. Ideally, it will be more guys in the year two to five range. And when looking at the offensive side of the ball, the quarterback position, we know who Lamar Jackson is. I'd anticipate him playing a lot more in 2022, just based off of health. At least we can all hope, right? We can all hope that's the case. So no, no breakouts from the quarterback position for me. Running back, running back was very interesting because I, I, I think what we were all expecting in 2021 was J.K. Dobbins bursting onto the scene, having that breakout season. But there was no breakout season to be had because he was injured. So I'm going to give the nod to J.K. Dobbins, and there are multiple people. I still think Gus Edwards, to a lesser extent, is a breakout candidate, although I think, again, he, he is much more well-known. Like His game is much more well-known than Dobbins, who has only had one season. But people forget Dobbins led the league, at least running backs. He led running backs during his rookie year in 2020 in yards per carry with six. The only player in the league he trailed was Lamar Jackson, his teammate. He's a player that we saw rip off big runs after big, even pass catch. Like everything he did, it was an explosive play waiting to happen. And even when he had 25 carries through his first six weeks, he was still behind Mark Ingram and still behind Gus Edwards. What we saw from him was a player with so much potential and he would only get like one or two carries a game and they go for like 38 yard runs or 40 yard runs. 
He's someone who's a bowling ball, bounces off of guys, doesn't go down after first contact. And a player who during his rookie season, again, just impressed me so much because of what he was able to bring to the table from a, not even just from a stats perspective. I mean, he, he overcame some things with fumbles where he had a little fumbling problem. I wouldn't go, I wouldn't even call it a problem. There were just some fumbles he had and he was able to bounce back from those. I mean, he broke the Ravens rookie touchdown record. He was all over the place his rookie season. And it's so sad that he suffered that injury and, and we just, we just couldn't see him on the field. It's crazy. It's been pretty much a year and a half since he last played meaningful football. I'm not counting the preseason in that. So he last played in that Buffalo game in January of 2021. We're now in June of 2022. That's a long time since we've seen J.K. Dobbins or even Gus Edwards. So I think for me, J.K. Dobbins is a really big breakout candidate on this team. Somebody who I'm very, very excited to see overall. And yeah, Edwards too. Like I'm going to say Edwards as well because I think he's still a very underrated player, but I don't think he's necessarily – it's tough. I don't want to label him as like this prime breakout candidate because he has played for a, a lot more years than Dobbins has at this point. But I think he's still – just barely like young enough and hasn't played just enough years to be able to say, well, you know what, if he just bursts onto the scene and just has like a thousand five hundred rushing yards or something, that's a huge breakout season from him that will put the league on notice. I think that's the big thing. Put the league on notice. Moving on to wide receiver. I mean, there are four guys here and, and I think everybody knows their names. Rashad Bateman, Devin Duvernay, James Perche, Tyler Wallace. Those four guys are big breakout candidates to me. Increased roles for all seem to be coming at this point. This recording, the Ravens have not added a veteran receiver. So you got to look at that and say, well, where are the targets going? Obviously, a lot are going to go to Mark Andrews, but Rashad Bateman is definitely the number one wide receiver on this team. He's a player that showed so many flashes, had his first, what, like 10, 11 catches go for first downs. He was that chain mover, first down machine, showed great hands, showed great route running, only had one touchdown though. So when people look at Rashad Bateman's stats, he actually he only played in 12 games because of the injury he suffered during training camp. And he ended up having to miss those first five weeks, came back in week six. He was juking out guys. He was having those hard releases. He, he's not a speedster, but he can still beat you deep. And I think he has all the makings of a number one wide receiver. And I think he's perfect for this offense with the ability to line up all over the field, the ability to do so many different things. So I'm, I am I think Rashad Bateman is the biggest breakout candidate on this team going from the number two, technically, no, technically number two wide receiver. I know a lot of people had Sammy Watkins there for a little bit before he got injured and then really never reclaimed the role. So Bateman moving from that to number the number one wide receiver with, with Marquise Brown being out of Baltimore, that's a lot of targets, a lot of catches that are going to be spread around. But I think Bateman's going to be a big beneficiary of that. Devin Duvernay is going to have a huge role, I think, as well. He's their number two guy right now. Showed it as a returner. Had some great flashes as a receiver. I go back to that Minnesota touchdown where Lamar Jackson places that ball perfectly. And Devin Duvernay comes down with that one-handed snag. James Prochet, huge breakout game in week 15. Doesn't see the field after that which is kind of crazy, honestly, kind of crazy. But I don't think we're going to see as much of that this year. I think Prochet is going to have a big role. You can play him in a slot. Very reliable hands catcher, very reliable route runner. I think he's somebody who can be a tough first down getter for this team. So I'm excited for him. And then Tyler Wallace. Tyler Wallace was a guy that we didn't really see a ton of in 2021. I mean, overall, when you're looking at where he was drafted, right, fourth round, he was a player that many people thought, all right, this is a second round guy. This is a early third round guy. Wallace only did have two receptions for 23 yards. I think he showed a lot though. He showed a lot of different things on the football field that I really like. He showed toughness. One of his catches, he like bowled through guys for a first down was like running backwards with the ball and like falling, falling forwards, backwards. It, it was crazy stuff. So to me with an increased role, 
training camp to be able to get on the same page with the quarterbacks, with the coaches, just having that full offseason. It's important. I've already been in the league for a year or two. That's all big stuff. So I'm excited for those four receivers for sure. Tight ends, I don't really have a tight end. We know who Mark Andrews is. We know who Nick Boyle is. This doesn't really apply to rookies again. And I don't think Josh Oliver, never say never, right? But I don't think he has a a great shot, I'll say, to make the roster. And then Eric Thomason, obviously, now in Denver. Offensive line, now we're going to get a little spicy. We're going to get a little bold here. I know some people might not like the name I'm about to say because of the, the, the play that he has had at a certain position. But hear me out. And if you go back to the sleepers from OTAs that I did, it was a couple... It might have been last week. Yeah, it was last week. You can go check that out. He's on there too. Tyree Phillips for me is a sleeper at the offensive line position. Now, not at tackle. I acknowledge Tyree Phillips has not shown good things at the tackle position. I would not put him back there unless it is an absolute, absolute, absolute need for them. But as a guard, as a guard, he's shown some good things. And the left guard position we all know is open this year. It could be Patrick McCarry. It could be Ben Cleveland. It could be Ben Powers. It could be Tyree Phillips. My money right now, it's either on Cleveland or Phillips. I think both of those guys have huge breakout potential. I I just don't think Powers has shown enough. Maybe this is a a Jalen Ferguson situation for me where last year I thought he had, like I thought it was over for Jalen Ferguson. He wasn't going to make the roster, but then he had a great preseason, ends up getting a roster spot. Maybe for Ben Powers, it's the same thing, right? We're not really thinking about him right now, but then as a great preseason takes that job over. But honestly, I think the front runner for it at this point is Patrick McCarry just based off of his positional versatility. And then you start him next to Linderbaum, who's the rookie at center. And then maybe that's what it is. But I think Tyree Phillips has breakout potential this year if he does end up winning that job. I think the same thing about Ben Cleveland. Ben Cleveland, a huge human being. Tyree Phillips, same thing. We saw that that video of those guys running and being – it was what, the schedule release, right? Yeah, they were running in slow-mo. Those are big dudes, and they're strong guys. And I think for Phillips, what he's shown, that's a breakout potential guy to me. Same thing with Ben Cleveland. I really like the potential that he has. Second-year guy, third-round pick out of Georgia. Didn't really get a ton of run, but I thought showed a couple of flashes that, again, full off season going into his second year, he can improve on those and I think have a great year if he's able to win that job. But that positional battle is one that I'm really looking forward to seeing what ends up happening for sure. But we'll head into our final break here on Locked on Ravens. When we get back, we'll be diving into the defensive breakout candidates for this team for 2022 early ones at that. So be sure to stay tuned. Still a ton to talk about here on Locked on Ravens. First, though, I do want to tell you a bit about Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your sports betting stats and sports info. You can find all the latest sports developments, news, and odds, including this year's basketball championship matchup. So you got Boston, you got Golden State there. The hockey conference finals, the Avalanche advancing in four to the finals. Major League Baseball, and of course, all the latest fighting news from MMA and UFC to boxing. But online is your continued source for our sports wedging information, including live betting, esports, and more. That's what I've had today. Use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action, but online where the game starts. We're back here. Our final segment of Locked On Ravens. Kevin Ostriker, your host, still here with you. And again, thank you so much for making Locked On Ravens your first listen of the day. Be sure to hit that subscribe button on YouTube, like this video in video form, and also be sure to follow us in audio form and turn notifications on. And be sure to make your second listen Locked On NFL. I hosted the Monday show over there, so if you want to hear me talking some more, you go over there, check that out for sure. But let's talk about defensive breakout candidates here. There are a bunch of guys, I and mean, we'll start on the defensive line. Now, my number one breakout candidate for last year was Justin Matabike. And he's a player that I thought had a solid season, but from a stat perspective, people look at it and they say, well, this wasn't really the season 
that was expected out of him, right? There, there was a lot expected. And I think that when people looked at the actual stat numbers, they thought, well, this is, this isn't what I thought this was going to be from him. And overall, now Dabika had 36 total tackles. He had two sacks, right? So again, nothing that absolutely blows the doors off or anything, but he does stuff off of the box score. He's a player that you don't look at the box score for all the time because he makes that impact. He wins a lot. He's very disruptive, very strong. And I think if you want to bet on him for a year where he's going to increase his production a ton, I think it's going to be this year. We don't really know what's going on with Derek Wolf at this point. You know, Brandon Williams no longer in Baltimore at the moment. You know, never say never. It doesn't seem likely he's back. So I think that opens up a role for Matabike. Now, Michael Pierce did get brought in. Brent Urban got brought in. Clayus Campbell got brought back. Travis Jones as well. But I think the Ravens, what they tend to do, not all the time, not all the time, what they tend to do is trust the guys with experience first over the younger-ish guys. This is the third year for Matabike, right? That's a player that has been in this system, very disruptive guy. So I think he will have an increased role this year, and you can get him in on third down in pass rushing situations, being able to get him in as a run stuffer, I think, a bit more as well. So I really like the potential for Matabike to break out. Maybe instead of two sacks, he has four sacks or five sacks, and then is more disruptive. So I, I like that for sure. Also, Broderick Washington. Broderick Washington was a player that I didn't have on my initial 53-man for the first couple weeks of trading camp in the preseason, but he showed a ton to me during the preseason. And then during the regular season, he carried that over. I'm very excited for Broderick Washington and what he can bring. Again, this Ravens defensive line, I think is one of the deepest groups on the team at the moment when factoring in Derek Wolf and all the other guys. So when, if Wolf gets released or, or traded or whatever, again, it's unclear what the situation is with him right now. Then the position in terms of depth, it loses a, a steady veteran. But again, I think still what the Ravens have even without Wolf is very deep. And I think Washington has a chance to crack that rotation and play a solid amount of snaps. And if there are injuries and you hope there aren't obviously, but if there are, inju are injuries, I feel confident in Washington to step in there and play a pretty big role if needed to. He was the one who called that field goal block against the Colts for Clay's Campbell and kind of schemed up that whole thing. So that was really cool to see. And Campbell was all excited about it. So I think for a Meadowby game, Washington, two third-year guys that I expect to have decent seasons overall and I think could be very big breakout candidates for sure. Outside linebacker-wise, I think Tyus Bowser had his breakout year last year. I, I think that was Tyus Bowser's breakout year, which is really, really cool because he was a player that I had identified a lot as a breakout guy. Well, and looking at the other guys on this roster who are looking at that position, you, you look at a guy like Adafi Owe, who I think had a great start to his rookie season stat wise and, and impact wise, maybe had a bit of a, a down stretch in the middle of the season, then missed the final couple games with the injury. I think this year, th this is the year for him to absolutely go crazy. And part of that is because at this point, at the time of this recording, Justin Houston has not been brought back. I, I again, I'd expect that to happen, but at this point, I'm going off of their roster right now. So Adafi Owe moves up to the number one outside linebacker on this team. Tyus Bowser, we don't know when he's coming back from that Achilles injury. David Ajabo, same thing. So Adafi Owe is going to take on a huge role. And I think with the offseason that he's had and being able to be in the league for a season, kind of learn the ropes a little bit. This was a player that had 33 tackles and five sacks and made impacts, forced fumbles. The, the week two one against the Chiefs, an 
unbelievable play by him. I'm expecting a huge year from Adafi Owe. I'm also expecting a big year from Dalen Hayes. Dalen Hayes is another player. We just don't know when Tyus Bowser is going to be back. Don't know when David Ajabo is going to be back. That pushes guys up on the depth chart, right? So Dalen Hayes was a player that did show flashes in the preseason, that little, that little dip move that he had against the Saints in the preseason, but just missed a lot of the year due to injury, and that's a big thing. And I think now with him being fully healthy, hopefully the injuries don't have a, an, an impact on this year for him. Because if they don't, this is a player that's going to get a lot more snaps because, again, some of the guys just aren't going to be ready to start the season potentially. And that's something you got to take into account. So it's, again, guys moving up a spot on the depth chart, moving two spots up on the depth chart. So I'd look out for Dalen Hayes. I I want to put Jalen Ferguson in this category. I just I don't trust him enough to at this point. I hope he proves me wrong. I hope he surprises and just has this monster season. But at this point, it's not it's not even a pure lock he's going to make the roster depending on what happens with injuries. I think I think he will eventually just end up making it based off of they're not going to have enough guys because maybe Bowser isn't ready, maybe Ajabu isn't ready. But I'm hoping I'm hoping Jalen Ferguson has a breakout season. I really hope he does have that for sure. But also when looking at the inside linebackers, I guess we could classify Patrick Queen as potentially having a breakout year, right? Someone who Definitely struggled in the first half of 2021, got his act, I think, really together in 2020 or the second half of 2021 based off of the addition of Josh Bynes. So when he was able to improve his play, that showed me that, look, he's able to learn from his mistakes. He's able to grow as a player, not just in the offseason, but in the middle of a season. So I think, again, another offseason. This is this is a third year for Patch Queen. This is a huge year for him. It's 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 not the I think when we get to year four, that's the make or break year for him. I think year three is the year to say, hey, look, if this guy absolutely goes off and just has a great season, he, he's the guy. I think he can do that. He's going to be relied upon in many big moments. Again, Josh Bynes was brought back. He'll have that for the full season, the full training camp. He'll have him there. I think that'll be great for stabilizing that, and that'll be huge. I also look at Malik Harrison as a player who might get some Sam snaps. We heard from John Harbaugh. He's cross-training at Sam as well. So that's a guy who I'd look at in terms of, all right, maybe he's not playing all his snaps at inside linebacker. He's actually being that versatile piece, moving over to Sam, playing some snaps there. So I'd look to Malik Harrison as well as a breakout player. Then in the secondary, a lot of guys brought in, a lot of rookies. You have Jalen Ward Davis and Marion Williams, a vet in uh, Kyle Fuller as well. But this this kind of overlaps again because you know it's what do you classify Brandon Stevens as? But I'm th- I'm thinking Brandon Stevens is a breakout candidate for sure. I really like what he brought to the table in 2021. A very relatively unknown prospect when he was drafted out of SMU to many and myself. You know I didn't ha- I didn't have the most knowledge on Brandon Stevens when he was drafted. But the more he played, the more he looked better. He had to fill in for Deshaun Elliott at free safety. And his positional versatility makes him somebody extremely valuable to this defense because of the ability to move all over the field in the event of an injury or guys wanting to be rested a little bit. If the coaching staff wants to do that, that is huge. And his play is going to be able to, I think, elevate him even more to what he was in 2021. I think 2022 has the potential to be a huge year for him. Same thing with our Darius Washington. Washington didn't get a ton of run in 2021, made the made the team as an undrafted free agent last season, but then missed the last handful of games due to a foot injury. And it's a player that the Ravens seem to like more at slot cornerback than at safety, but the versatility, again, is very valuable. I had to put our Darius Washington in here. I'm very excited about him. And then I guess a sleeper breakout guy is Geno Stone. Geno Stone is a player, his third year as well, same draft class as Patrick Queen. 
He's a player that I think, again, with the Ravens safety room right now, it is so deep right now. You have Chuck Clark and Marcus Williams and, and Kyle Hamilton and Tony Jefferson. And depending on where you classify Stevens and Washington, same thing. But Stone is somebody who has shown flashes, has ha- has created a couple turnovers during his time with the Ravens, was with the Ravens, then not with the Ravens, then back with them. He, he was with the Texans for a little bit after the Ravens ended up having to clear some roster space out. But he's back with the team. He has been for a little while now. And he's a player that I think is really loved in the locker room, somebody who showed those flashes again. So I think that's another player to me who could be a breakout candidate for this team on the defensive side of the ball. But that's all I have to hear today on Locked On Ravens. Thank you so much for tuning in. When we get back to tomorrow, we'll be talking about more Ravens talking and answering your mailbag questions. So be sure to stay tuned for that, and I'll see you tomorrow.